Book Five, Canto Nine of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Nine. Arthur and Artegall catch guile, whom Talus doth dismay. They to Mercilla's palace come and see her rich array. What tiger? Oh, what other savage wight is so exceeding furious and fell as wrong, when it hath armed itself with might? Not fit mongst men that do with reason mell, but mongst wild beasts and savage woods to dwell, where still the stronger doth the weak devour, and they that most in boldness do excel are dreaded most, and feared for their power. Fit for Aditya, there to build her wicked bower. There let her one far from resort of men, Where righteous Artegall her late exiled. There let her ever keep her damned den, Where none may be with her lewd parts defiled, Nor none but beasts may be of her despoiled. And turn we to the noble prince, Where late we did him leave, After that he had foiled the cruel soldan, And with dreadful fate, had utterly subverted his unrighteous state. Where, having with Sir Artegall a space well solaced in that soldan's late delight, they both resolving now to leave the place, both it and all the wealth therein behight, unto that damsel in her lady's right, and so would have departed on their way. But she them wooed by all the means she might, and earnestly besought to win that day with her, to see her lady thence not far away. By whose entreaty both they overcomen, agreed to go with her, and by the way, as often falls, of sundry things they common. Mongst which that damsel did to them bewray a strange adventure, which not far thence lay, to wheat a wicked villain, bold and stout, which wanted in a rock not far away, that robbed all the country thereabout, and brought the pillage home, whence none could get it out. Thereto both his own wily witch, she said, and eke the fastness of his dwelling-place, both unassailable, gave him great aid. For he so crafty was to forge and face, so light of hand and nimble of his pace, so smooth of tongue and subtil of his tail, that could deceive one looking in his face. Therefore by name Melengen they him call, well known by his feats, and famous over all. Through these his slights he many doth confound, and eke the rock in which he wants to dwell is wondrous strong, and hewn far underground a dreadful depth, how deep no man can tell. But some do say it goeth down to hell, and all within it full of windings is, and hidden ways, that scarce an hound by smell can follow out those false footsteps of his, ne none can back return, that once are gone amiss. Which when those knights had heard, their hearts can earn to understand that villain's dwelling-place, and greatly it desired of her to learn, and by which way they towards it should trace. Were not, said she, that it should let your pace, towards my lady's presence by you met, I would you guide directly to the place. Then let not that, said they, stay your intent, for neither will one foot till we that carl have hent. 
so forth they passed, till they approached nigh unto the rock where was the villain's one, which when the damsel near at hand did spy, she warned the knights thereof, who thereupon gan to advise what best were to be done. So both agreed to send that maid afore, where she might sit nigh to the den alone, wailing and raising pitiful uproar, as if she did some great calamity deplore. With noise whereof, when as the caitive carl should issue forth, in hope to find some spoil, they in a wait would closely him ensnarl, ere to his den he backward could recoil, and so would hope him easily to foil. The damsel straight went as she was directed unto the rock, and there, upon the soil, having herself in wretched wise objected, gan weep and wail, as if great grief had her effected. The cry whereof, entering the hollow cave, eftsoons brought forth the villain, as they meant, with hope of her some wishful boot to have. Full dreadful white he was, as ever went upon the earth, with hollow eyes deep pent, and long curled locks that down his shoulders shagged, and on his back an uncouth vestiment made of strange stuff, but all too worn and ragged, and underneath his breech was all too torn and jagged. And in his hand an huge long staff he held, whose top was armed with many an iron hook, fit to catch hold of all that he could weld, or in the compass of his clouches took, and ever round about he cast his look. All's at his back a great wide net he bore, with which he seldom fished at the brook, but used to fish for fools on the dry shore, of which he in fair weather won to take great store. Him when the damsel saw fast by her side, so ugly creature, she was nigh dismayed, and now for help aloud in earnest cried. But when the villain saw her so afraid, he gan with guileful words her to persuade to banish fear, and with Sardonian smile laughing on her, his false intent to shade, gan forth to lay his bait her to beguile, that from herself unwares he might her steal the while. Like as the fowler on his guileful pipe charms to the birds full many a pleasant lay, that they the whiles may take less heedy keep, how he his nets doth for their ruin lay. So did the villain to her prate and play, and many pleasant tricks before her show, to turn her eyes from his intent away. For he in slights and juggling feats did flow, and of legerdemain the mysteries did know. To which, whilst she lent her intentive mind, he suddenly his net upon her threw, that overspread her like a puff of wind, and snatching her soon up, ere well she knew, ran with her fast away unto his mew, crying for help aloud. But when as nigh he came unto his cave, and there did view the armed knights stopping his passage by, he threw his burden down, and fast away did fly. But Artigal him after did pursue, the whiles the prince there kept the entrance still. Up to the rock he ran, and thereon flew like a wild goat, leaping from hill to hill, and dancing on the craggy cliffs at will. That deadly danger seemed in all men's sight, to tempt such steps where footing was so ill. Neata veiled for the armed knight to think to follow him, that was so swift and light. Which when he saw, his iron man he sent to follow him, for he was swift in chase. He him pursued wherever that he went, 
both over rocks and hills and every place where so he fled he followed him apace so that he shortly forced him to forsake the height and down descend unto the base there he him coursed afresh and soon did make to leave his proper form and other shape to take into a fox himself he first did turn but he him hunted like a fox full fast then to a bush himself he did transform but he the bush did beat till at the last into a bird it changed and from him passed flying from tree to tree from wand to wand but he then stones at it so long did cast that like a stone it fell upon the land but he then took it up and held fast in his hand so he had brought with him unto the knights and to his lord sir Artegall it lent warning him hold it fast for fear of slights who whilst in hand it griping hard he hent into a hedgehog all in wares it went and pricked him so that he away it threw then gan it run away incontinent being returned to his former hue but talus soon him overtook and backward drew but when as he would to a snake again have turned himself he with his iron flail gan drive at him with so huge might and main that all his bones as small as sandy grail he broke and did his bowels disentrail crying in vain for help when help was past so did deceit the self-deceiver fail there they him left a carrion outcast for beasts and fowls to feed upon for their repast thenceforth they passed with that gentle maid to see her lady as they did agree to which when she approached thus she said lo now right noble knights arrived ye be nigh to the place which ye desired to see there shall ye see my sovereign lady queen most sacred white most debonair and free that ever yet upon this earth was seen or that with diadem hath ever crowned been the gentle knights rejoiced much to hear the praises of that prince so manifold and passing little further come and were where they a stately palace did behold of pompous show much more than she had told with many towers and terrace mounted high and all their tops bright glistering with gold that seemed to outshine the dimmed sky and with their brightness dazed the strange beholder's eye there they alighting by that damsel were directed in and showed all the sight whose porch that most magnific did appear stood open wide to all men day and night yet warded well by one of mickle might that sate thereby with giant-like resemblance to keep out guile and malice and despite that under show oft times of feigned semblance are wont in princes courts to work great scath and hindrance his name was awe by whom they passing in went up the hall that was a large wide room all full of people making troublous din and wondrous noise as if that there were some which under them was dealing righteous doom by whom they passing through the thickest press the marshal of the hall to them did come his name hight order who commanding peace them guided through the throng that did their clamours cease they ceased their clamours upon them to gaze 
whom seeing all in armor bright as day, strange there to see, it did them much amaze, and with unwonted terror half afraid, for never saw they there the like array. Nay, ever was the name of war there spoken, but joyous peace and quietness alway, dealing just judgments that mote not be broken for any bribes or threat of any to be broken. There, as they entered the scrine, they saw someone whose tongue was for his trespass vile nailed to a post, adjudged so by law for that therewith he falsely did revile and foul blaspheme that queen for forged guile, both with bold speeches which he blazed had, and with lewd poems which he did compile, for the bold title of a poet bad he on himself had ta'en, and railing rhymes had sprad. Thus there he stood, whilst high over his head there written was the purport of his sin, in ciphers strange that few could rightly read. Bon fond, but bon, that once had written been, was raced out, and mal was now put in. So now malfond was plainly to be read, either for the evil which he did therein, or that he likened was to a well-head of evil words, and wicked slanders by him shed. They, passing by, were guided by degree unto the presence of that gracious queen, who sate on high, that she might all men see, and might of all men royally be seen. Upon a throne of gold full bright and sheen, adorned with all gems of endless price, as either might for wealth have gotten been, or could be framed by workmen's rare device and all embossed with lions and with fleur-de-lice. All over her a cloth of state was spread, not of rich tissue, nor of cloth of gold, nor of aught else that may be richest red, but like a cloud, as likest may be told, that her broad-spreading wings did wide unfold, whose skirts were bordered with bright sunny beams glistering like gold amongst the plights enrolled, and here and there shooting forth silver streams, amongst which crept little angels through the glittering gleams. Seemed those little angels did uphold the cloth of state, and on their purpled wings did bear the pendants through their nimblest bold. Besides, a thousand more of such as sings hymns to high God, and carols heavenly things, encompassed the throne on which she sate. She angel-like, the heir of ancient kings and mighty conquerors in royal state, whilst kings and keezers at her feet did them prostrate. Thus she did sit in sovereign majesty, holding a scepter in her royal hand, the sacred pledge of peace and clemency, with which high God had blessed her happy land, Mogur so many foes which did withstand. But at her feet her sword was likewise laid, whose long rest rusted the bright steely brand. Yet, when as foes enforced or friends sought aid, she could it sternly draw that all the world dismayed. And round about before her feet there sate a bevy of fair virgins clad in white, that goodly seemed to adorn her royal state, all lovely daughters of high Jove, that height Lighty, by him begotten, love's delight upon the righteous Themis. 
Those, they say, upon Jove's judgment seat wait day and night, and when in wrath he threats the world's decay, they do his anger calm and cruel vengeance stay. They also do by his divine permission upon the thrones of mortal princes ten, and often treat for pardon and remission to suppliants through frailty which offend. Those did upon Mercilla's throne attend, just dicey, wise you know me, mild Irene, and them amongst her glories to commend, sate goodly temperance in garments clean, and sacred reverence born of heavenly stream. Thus did she sit in royal rich estate, admired of many, honored of all, whilst underneath her feet, there as she sate, an huge great lion lay that mote appall in hardy courage, like captived thrall, with a strong iron chain and collar bound, that once he could not move nor quitch at all, yet did he murmur with rebellious sound, and softly roin, when savage collar gan redound. So sitting high in dreaded sovereignty, those two strange knights were to her presence brought, who, bowing low before her majesty, did to her mild obeisance as they ought, and meekest boon that they imagine mought. To whom she eke inclining her withal, as a fair stoop of her high soaring thought, a cheerful countenance on them let fall, yet tempered with some majesty imperial. As the bright sun, what time his fiery team towards the western brim begins to draw, begins to abate the brightness of his beam, and fervor of his flames somewhat adore, so did this mighty lady, when she saw those two strange knights such homage to her make, bait somewhat of that majesty and awe, that whilom went to do so many quake, and with more mild aspect those two to entertake. Now at that instant as occasion fell, when these two stranger knights arrived in place, she was about affairs of common weal, dealing of justice with indifferent grace, and hearing pleas of people mean and base, amongst which, as then, there was for to be heard the trial of a great and weighty case, which on both sides was then debating hard, but at the sight of these, those were a while debarred. But after all her princely entertain, to the hearing of that former cause in hand herself eftsoon she gan convert again, which that those knights likewise mote understand and witness forth a right in foreign land, taking them up unto her stately throne, where they mote hear the matter throughly scanned on either part, she placed one on one, the other on the other side, and near them none. Then was there brought as prisoner to the bar a lady of great countenance and place, but that she it with foul abuse did mar, yet did appear rare beauty in her face, but blotted with condition vile and base, that all her other honor did obscure, and titles of nobility deface. Yet in that wretched semblance she did sure the people's great compassion unto her allure. Then up arose a person of deep reach, and rare insight hard matters to reveal, that well could charm his tongue, and time his speech to all assays. His name was Collid Zeal. He gan that lady strongly to appeal of many heinous crimes by her inured, 
and with sharp reasons rang her such appeal that those whom she to pity had allured he now abhor and loathe her person had procured first can he tell how this that seemed so fair and royally arrayed duessa hight that false duessa which had wrought great care and mickle mischief unto many a knight by her beguiled and confounded quite but not for those she now in question came though also those mote question be aright but for vile treasons and outrageous shame which she against the dread marcilla oft did frame for she whilom as ye mote yet right well remember had her counsels false conspired with faithless blandamour and paradel both to her paramours both by her hired and both with hope of shadows vain inspired and with them practised how for to deprive Marcilla of her crown by her aspired that she might it unto herself derive and triumph in their blood whom she to death did drive but through high heaven's grace which favor not the wicked drifts of traitorous designs gainst loyal princes all this cursed plot ere proof it took discovered was betimes and actors won the mead meet for their crimes such be the mead of all that by such mean unto the type of kingdoms title climbs but false duessa now untitled queen was brought to her sad doom, as here was to be seen. Strongly did zeal her heinous fact enforce, and many other crimes of foul defame against her brought to banish all remorse, and aggravate the horror of her blame. And with him, to make part against her, came many grave persons that against her pled. First was a sage old sire that had to name the kingdom's care with a white silver head, that many high regards and reasons gainst her read. Then gan authority her to oppose with peremptory power that made all mute. And then the law of nations gainst her rose, and reasons brought that no man could refute. Next gan religion gainst her to impute high God's behest and power of holy laws. Then gan the people's cry and common suit importune care of their own public cause. And lastly, justice charged her with breach of laws. But then for her, on the contrary part, rose many advocates for her to plead. First there came pity with full tender heart, and with her joined regard of womanhead. And then came danger, threatening hidden dread, and high alliance unto foreign power. Then came nobility of birth, that bred great ruth through her misfortune's tragic stour, and lastly grief did plead, and many tears forth pour. With the near touch whereof in tender heart the Briton prince was sore impassionate, and walks inclined much unto her part through the sad terror of so dreadful fate, and wretched ruin of so high estate that for great ruth his courage gan relent, which, when as zeal perceived to abate, he gan his earnest fervor to augment, and many fearful objects to them to present. He gan to force the evidence anew, and new accusements to produce in place, 
He brought forth that old hag of hellish hue, The cursed Ate, brought her face to face, Who privy was and party in the case. She, glad of spoil and ruinous decay, Did her a peach, and to her more disgrace The plot of all her practice did display, And all her trains and all her treasons forth did lay. Then brought he forth with grisly grim aspect Abhorred murder, who with bloody knife yet dropping fresh in hand did her detect, and there with guilty bloodshed charged rife. Then brought he forth sedition, breeding strife in troublous wits and mutinous uproar. Then brought he forth incontinence of life, even foul adultery her face before, and lewd impiety that her accused sore. All which, when as the prince had heard and seen, his former fancies Ruth he gan repent, and from her party eftsoons was drawn clean. But Artegall, with constant firm intent, for zeal of justice was against her bent. So was she guilty deemed of them all. Then zeal began to urge her punishment, and to their queen for judgment loudly call, unto Marcilla mild, for justice gainst the thrall. But she, whose princely breast was touched near with piteous ruth of her so wretched plight, though plain she saw by all that she did hear that she of death was guilty found by right, yet would not let just vengeance on her light, but rather let instead thereof to fall few purling drops from her fair lamps of light the which she covering with her purple pall would have the passion hid, and up arose withal. End of Canto 9 Recording by Thomas Copeland